Welcome to the Dynasty Think Tank. I'm Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McNamara, and we are seeking elite results here on your Dynasty teams and really building that toolbox. We talk about it all the time, reviewing trades, looking at strategy, also dissecting the news. And here we are in our third ever episode. Thank you so much for subscribing, rating, downloading, any way you support the show. We got a Patreon. We'll tell you about that in a little bit. But let's start off with our big three thoughts. And starting out, we got Eric Bieniemy, new OC there in Washington, and Ron Rivera, as well as Bieniemy, talking up maybe a bigger role for Antonio Gibson. Like to get him more touches. He's getting close to the end of his rookie contract. It's time you want to probably burn the candle a little bit for these uh, for these running backs. And Antonio Gibson, not a guy that is held up to a high level workload, but they brought in Brian Robinson. Chris Rodriguez is maybe a little Brian Robinson mini version that they got late uh, in this year's draft. So. New offense, new OC, new opportunity maybe for Antonio Gibson, the best pass catcher of the bunch in that depth chart. How do you read this, Jordan, in terms of all of a sudden now Gibson is dipping, not like Brian Robinson is a high dynasty market value either with this backfield? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we're Brian Robinson fans. Heck, we're Antonio Gibson fans. Um, I think the we've seen in the marketplace that Gibson's going behind Brian Robinson. Um, I think that's generally right from the perspective of Brian Robinson's the incumbent starter. However, in the back of my mind, uh, again, the perception of this Kansas City offense with Eric Bieniemy has always been receivers, uh, you know, has been running backs are good receiving threats. Um, I would actually sort of push back on that. I don't think that that has been as true. In fact, at Washington on like a per route basis and in some actual usage stats has been better than Kansas city. And at least was last year uh, relative uh, to, to actual usage of running backs. So that's one thing I sort of, I thought, Hey, maybe this narrative could pick up, but I'm not sure in reality, it's going to be that much better than it, than it has been for the past catching running backs, but it does not shock me again. Like you could look at that backfield and say, Hey, which guy kind of fits more what we perceive Kansas city to be um, as an offense with the running backs. And I think that that guy's, that guy is Antonio Gibson or has the potential to be Antonio Gibson. And I thought that that was maybe an under, uh, an under discussed story, uh, especially in the, in the rookie draft market, right. In trade downs, I was able to nab a couple of uh, Gibson shares pretty cheap, you know, just in slide downs uh, that, you know, just kind of go at that bat. And I think, you know, this is a good example of you can fix depth, right. You can fix your roster by kind of doing cheap things around the margins and, and about how do you fix running back and take uh, better shots, like taking a shot on Antonio Gibson when there was absolute uncertainty before this narrative picks up, I thought was a good play. Yeah, a couple takeaways for me um, in this backfield is I have Gibson ahead, eight to 10 spots ahead. I think the upside in Dynasty over Brian Robinson is pretty pronounced just because of the receiving end. You know, yeoman's work is kind of the phrase that pays for uh, for Robinson for me. I mean, he's a grinder back. He needs big volume. He needs the touchdown. Gibson can win a variety of ways. I used Brian Robinson a couple times in rookie drafts. I traded him straight across where I needed wide receiver help. Uh, straight across for Tyler Lockett. I figure I can encapsulate more ceiling just for even a one-year window, and Robinson's older than people think. Um, so that was an easy pivot across. No rookie picks involved, but it did happen during the rookie draft. And then another one, I moved up for Tank Bigsby, um, as well as getting, you know, we had the, those combo uh, split drafts, and I was able to get an early pick as well in the in the August draft, just by moving Brian Robinson. And I think 
one of the bigger things just talking about Brian Robinson in general or Antonio Gibson is being fluted around the board. You know, we have a lot of, a lot of touch points across these NFL depth charts. And the good thing is that means you can be mobile. Uh, actually, I say mobile. That's from like a dark night rising. I think it's just <laughs> mobile. <laughs> you can be mobile in the marketplace um, that you can get. Um, you can, you can sell off a player like Brian Robinson. You won't even feel it. You can, you know, add Antonio Gibson to a deal, bring him on. And you know, you're not going to feel that either, but going back to the Bigsby thing, I mean, I just see a player that is going to have a more clarified if one thing occurs and that's an injury, he's going to have more upside than Brian Robinson has, whether Gibson's playing or not. And I just, that's the big part for me. Uh, you know, Washington is not going to be, in my opinion, an elite offense. They've got a big question mark. What's the upside with quarterback? Is that going to even be sticky this year? And they've got a lot of mouths to feed at wide receiver. Logan Thomas could come back and be functional. So I just, and, and two or three deep at running back. So I just, the part that bugs me is just, it's not an elite offense and you've got maybe, uh, the radius of high quality at the skill positions that lead to just cutting this pie way too thin. So Robinson holds like second round valuation, as I just said, you know, getting Bigsby and kind of locking in a younger player, a more clarified, you know, good pedigree as well, but being open to that and Gibson would be one, he's not going to get cut, but make sure he's one that if he's ever available, I mean, a flip guy, when we get to, you know, someone that we are moving away from in week four, or something, a sparse opportunity, you go Gibson plus in that situation, or you can get a talent upgrade. That's the type of maneuvering. I think in the big picture, you get a few more shares in your portfolio. Yeah. I just want to also flesh out one point on the Washington versus Kansas City distinction. So uh, last year, Washington uh, ran 0.8 running back routes per drop back. That ranked 11th. Last year, Kansas City ran about 0.71 routes per running back routes per drop back that ranked 22nd when you actually looked at the targets uh washington third in the league in targets per drop back last year kansas city uh 19th so this is already and was a pretty fertile ground for running back receiving work i think people will think of it differently because it's eric Bieniemy, um, but i'm not necessarily sure it's going to get that much better for the running backs yeah, they were sixth in helo score, you know, as that backfield, you kind of alluded to it. A lot of it pins on, you know, run, uh, goal line is tough to predict, but uh, backfield uh, targets and everything, not so much. So, uh, and again, Gibson feels like the biggest benefactor to strong targets in that backfield. Another one, this is more just a, uh, a note of positivity. Uh, number two here, we got Foster Moreau getting a, a three-year, $12 million contract there with the Saints. Uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, diagnosis had him step away from football. And honestly, just good for him, you know, feeling to the the point of being able to be back playing football, um, you know, and also with the Saints, you got Michael Thomas getting his hardware removed from his foot. He's trending. Uh, again, he was trending last year. Let's see if he keeps trending. <laughs> Michael Thomas is a trending type player. He's going crazy late. I saw him traded for a couple fourths. I wish I was in on that in terms of a, a dynasty trade, but I wasn't in one of my leagues. But Foster Moreau, you know, Juwan Johnson, high bullish possible opportunities to build on what he did last year. You got Derek Carr in there, but Foster Moreau could be a meaningful part. And let's, let's be fair. He could outright win that job. And, and that's a meaningful contract that he received, but all overall, it's just thumbs up for Foster Moreau being back in our dynasty and football consciousness here, getting back where he probably three months ago did not know if he was going to be back for the 23 season at a minimum. Yeah, that's it's great news. We're anti-cancer here, so that's a that's a good uh, that's good uh, for him. I will say from a I think this is an interesting like Juwan Johnson was a guy that was kind of in our orbit uh, as a depth tight end uh, that was you know streamable in two PPR. Uh, there's some mixed messages coming out of Foster Murrow's career to date. I uh, actually look like he's graded out you know PFF wise. It's a the a resource that I use a lot for you know to give us sort of an idea of how good a player is. 
Uh, his PFF grades have actually been pretty good. Uh, in you know, last year, 69.7. And then first couple of years, um, well, really his rookie year, 80 uh, grade there. Um, but you start looking at some of his production stats, right? Juwan Johnson, uh, significantly better on a, on a per route run basis last year than Foster Moreau. So um, again, some of that could be offense related a little bit there, but I don't think Foster Moreau has been a big time receiving. I think he's kind of let down as a receiving threat uh, to date in his career. Um, I still think Juwan Johnson's got a fighting chance to be the starter, but this probably takes away, you know, can he get to that 80 plus percent route participation? I think this makes it a little more difficult. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, talking through the spring, obviously this show didn't start at that point, but hold on to your Foster Moreau shares was the theme in two tight end because see how this plays out. A lot of people, when they read news like this earlier in the offseason, they're like, ah, cut that guy. And I actually saw that in a few spots, but having patience until you actually have to make drops is really important, you know, especially in situations with premiums like this. So Foster, and I think it's really interesting whether it's Juwan Johnson or Foster Moreau in this offense, because you say Chris Olave, they didn't notably add, they brought in A.T. Perry, but that was a day three selection, not likely to make early impact. But Michael Thomas, if he's not right, it is Chris Olave and what? You know, you hope that they get Alvin Kamara more involved, but a tight end could absolutely be a top 12 option when you start looking at the math of an offense that has a, a good enough quarterback. I would call it, you know, tier two possibilities, at least tier three, you know, that I talk about in those quadrants for uh, for NFL uh, tier. So again, this is one thing to monitor. If Michael Thomas, he could block out the sun with him and Olave, and they could be, you know, Miami in terms of 50% go to two guys. But we haven't seen Michael Thomas, you know, for what, more than a smattering of snaps and games. So really keep that in mind. Foster Moreau is the type, not really in a start one. Maybe it's your deeper two PPR, but in your two tight ends, you have more roster spots. Make sure if someone did drop them, you clean them up. Absolutely. Then, you want to know how good, by the way, I was just looking at the Orleans statue. You want to know how good Chris Olave was last year? Chris Olave and actually Rashid Shahid. Yeah. They ranked 28th in wide receiver routes per drop back, uh, but they ranked 7th and wide receiver yards per drop back. Just an yep. absolute efficient, just efficient a monster. Efficient. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yep. And Derek Carr, again, I think it's going to be a stabilizing element. We we have some quibbles about Derek Carr when you watch him and it's like, you know, the mobility, the rushing, you know, key moments, all those things. But he's a functional running offense uh, type quarterback that, again, I think it's going to be good news for Olave, especially. Uh, we got one more, uh, one more quick news item here in the big three, which is how about Twitter reacting to Jameer Gibbs missing practice, minor ankle injury in mid-May. <laughs> so we're already, you know, regretting and, oh, you know, Detroit going to Detroit. You got the smaller running back. Oh, they reached on him and he's already hurt. It's going to be horrible. I mean, I don't know if Jordan you've seen in the last few days with a draft. I mean, we had a lot of ours last week, but uh, seeing him slip or anything. But if this causes them to drop one spot, you just take the pedigree and run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because I've tuned out from really trying to follow like the minutia of the day to day. And rookie I've gone, camp? No, no, you're not I, following. You're not following up on Rasheed Rice, how he ran his second route in slow-mo catching a pass from not Patrick Mahomes. Well, you like me have gone towards the, the fun part of Twitter, which is to tweet funny videos and use them as a basis yeah. to make dynasty characters. It's all meaningless. Exactly. <laughs> it's all dumb, dumb stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where where I'm at on following the uh, the right. rookie news. Um, I'm just waiting for the the analysis medically that Jameer Gibbs has a balky ankle and he's had it since he was 15 years old and this right. is going to cause his career to end at 25. Absolutely. That's what I'm waiting for. I want someone to come out and put their neck on the line 
put their put their uh, fancy unofficial Twitter uh, dynasty medical career <laughs> on the line with Jameer Gibbs and this uh, minor ankle injury. I would imagine if if he said, "Yeah, I felt a little something in my third toe." I would imagine with your first round pick, they would be like let's soften it back. It's May. Like I would imagine right. even the roughest, toughest of NFL get in there. And you know, we're, we're going to show you what it's like here in the NFL would back off in that instance. So again, if it, if this is August 28th, we can start having a discussion. Checks watch long way off. All right, nice. let's get to it. And honestly, Jordan, uh, now we're getting suggestions for the, did I get enough? Like it's become such a following for this segment uh, that frankly, I, I, maybe no one else is doing it. Maybe no one else has, has, has done it yet, but, uh, you can't, uh, you can't go past the original is what I would say. Patrick Mahomes, common inductee in the, did I get enough? This is a spicy one, Jordan. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder how this is going to go. Cause you answer very quickly all the time. I wonder if you're going to wait one second. <laughs> We've got Patrick Mahomes for Deshaun Watson, Jonathan Taylor, Jalen Waddle, and wait for the pick 26 first. Um, so I have to think about this one. I, I think this is entirely how comfortable you feel about Deshaun Watson. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think there's a couple of, I generally view Deshaun Watson in, in one of two ways. I think he's either going to be basically back to who he was again. This was a, remember before everything happened, let's just put a fine point on this. Okay. Before all the stuff happened about, about the, the disclosures and all the alleged conduct before that happened. Uh, he was nothing but a top six fantasy quarterback and stop. Okay. How you view Herbert and Mahomes and Allen right now. That's how exactly. he, that, that's how he was viewed. Absolutely. And had an argument to be quarterback one at that moment in time. Um, and I think the year before might've been for a, a significant period of time, the quarterback one. So that's where he was. He came back last year. Um, again, we bought, basically all the way down, right? I started to buy all the way back up. Right? I have QB a lot 10, of... QB 15, QB 17, wherever it fell to. Absolutely. Right. Just, I was, I was dishing that out. And now you've got back basically a top 15 asset dynasty. Okay. Yes. Like I saw him go is... 109, 110, uh, a, a draft that started yesterday. Right. Absolutely. Right. You sh- that's, that's terrific process. Okay. So now I, I am basically back to, okay, he's either going to be that guy or he's going to be the guy from last year. I tend to think that he's not going to be this kind of middling average quarterback. I think you either get it back or you don't. And I think, uh, you know, he's in a pretty good situation as well. Like they, I think they have good talent. I think they had good offensive coordinator. I think they have all of that. Um, so I think he's either going to get it back or he's not going to. Um, this I think is this... wild though, the get it back part. The fact that we're even saying like a quarterback could play for the amount of time he did mm-hmm. at such a level that now like Chuck Knobloch thrown to first, he just kind of lost it. Yeah. Like that's really tough, but you know what? The footwork last, like not to get too filmy, but I mean, just the, him seeing it and the movement and the comfort, none of those things were there. Mm-hmm. Now we give him a pass. We knew like most people said in the summer, don't count on Watson this year. He's coming back for a few games, but don't count on it. And yet it was hard to two, three games in and be like, uh, it's hard to stick with that take, even though you had it six months before. And it's but here we are full reset. Yeah. It's interesting because that really hasn't hurt his cost, which is really interesting. Pretty wild, yeah. Um, so I I'm basically of two minds. Okay. So I think, you know, as if you're gonna deal for Watson in a trade down for Mahomes, I think you have to get a lot on top of that in the event that he doesn't get back to where he was pre all of this happening. I think you do it here. 
Okay. Think, think, let me ask you this though. Yes. What, what do you think the floor is? Watson middles through a year. He's not, you know, 91% of what he was. He's let's call him closer to just a guy when he's out there, not moving the needle, not elevating, but he's posting. Let's call it QB 18 to 22. He's out there. Yep. What do you think his leash is? Like, I haven't looked at his contract in depth, but it's pronounced. But the point is like, we would still have him on a multi-year trajectory as a starter. Correct. I mean, that, so, so you would still have a floor outcome. Like, because I think you're going in the direction of like, you don't get Watson basically in this deal. Like, are you like the calculus of how does that look now and how horrific is the floor is part of the process of analyzing this trade. Yeah. I mean, he's guaranteed $46 million in 2024, 2025 and 2026. Right. So, so he would still be on a multi-year allegiance lens. Yeah. To find it, to find it. Right. right? I mean, now you would say, I mean, with what they have, they have Amari Cooper. They have a lot of ancillary wide receivers that can at least post. And they've got David Njoku. They've got Harrison Bryant as one of the better number twos in the NFL, even if he's not a number one. Nick Chubb, we'll see what else they, you know, cream hunt back. But like he has all the components. Yep. Like there's not really any any excuse for him not to be top 12 and to have upside beyond that and to get in there, get in there and mix it up. Yeah. No excuse. Yeah. So, so yeah. So how do you analyze this in terms of, because you have used Watson to pivot upward. Hasn't cost this much. It wasn't didn't cost correct. This much. No, no, no. But right. I'm saying the process you understand though. Like you have actually Absolutely. executed that of going Watson, what to Mahomes or Allen. Have yep. you gone to Herbert or anything, or have you only gone to the two big boys? I think I've gone to the two big boys. I think I've done it okay. twice. It's been basically um, like a first, right? It costs you like a first ish. A little bit more than that. It cost okay. me like Dallas Goddard and tight end premium and a first, and then a very okay. similar. I don't remember the other one, but it was a very similar construct. Much more that. reasonable than this. Yeah, nothing close to this. I mean, yeah. th- you have arguably. I mean, you have a top five wide receiver. Um, you have arguably running back one, right? Depending yeah. on how you how you want to running back two, running back yeah. three, somewhere in there, um, yeah. and a future first, right? That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay. Um, well, this is kind you of, of you know outs, you, you made this you almost feels outs. this made this feels like you made an offer to the Mahomes owner and you ended up like they ended up countering back and you're like, well, they at least sent an offer for me to get yeah. Mahomes. I'm going to do it. And they asked for what they wanted. And you know what? Probably the Mahomes, uh, Mahomes owner, when it was accepted, was like, eh, I don't know if I asked for enough. Like, right? <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's a weird mental gymnastics that, that's going on here. Yes. But it feels like the, like, go pummel your league. If you get Watson even mostly right, it feels like this is the type that you can re- actually win. And we don't have this discussion. We've done dozens of these. Yep. And this is absolutely the first one that you could, if you wanted to confidently say, I'll take that side, or you can at least say, I really am not confident when I say the other side. Yeah. I think you have enough outs on the Watson side that if he's not back to what he was, you're not going to, it's not going to kill you. Right. So because again, we're not dealing with uh, Chris, like if we sub in Christian McCaffrey, so we're taking away three years at running back. If you put in Devante Adams, yeah, you might get similar production to Taylor and Waddle this year, but you know, you're not getting actually dynasty assets, right? I mean, you're getting dwindling, crumbling assets, high-level producers, but those are two different things. You actually have assets here. I mean, Watson is worth what? At least two firsts. I mean, he's going in the top 15 of pretty much every Superflex startup draft. And so that's worth how much? I mean, more than two firsts, naked. 
you've got uh, Jonathan Taylor, probably worth two firsts out there in the wild. Not that we would be making that type of trade strategy, strategy wise. Waddle, has, I mean, he's a tier down from the the big boys, but he's worth that. I mean, you're talking like seven first. I mean, it's a wild number. Yes. It's a wild number. So, yeah, so again, I think I think this is one we can absolutely justify. Yep, I agree. Did you, you get enough? And I yep. think we're we're gonna go thumbs up and we're gonna say yes. Yeah, I, I'll I I do have the Watson trades that I did. By the way, it was okay. Watson, Jacobs, and Evan Ingram for Josh Allen, and then it was yep. two PPR for tight end. That one, um, this one also in a two PPR for tight end. Watson, Goddard, and a first for Josh Allen and Chuba Hubbard. All palatable. Yep. And and all, you know, a far cry from what this is. Absolutely. And, and you talked through it. I think we were recording shows at that time and you kind of talked through the fact that, you know, I mean, Allen and Mahomes do not have this risk factor. And what you were paying is the insurance premium, basically, to move from, I've got a little bit of doubt, there's the possibility, to I don't have almost any doubt. Correct. There you go. Yeah. And that's, per, you know, and, and especially what you always say is you get Mahomes, you get Allen, then, you know, that first looks a lot different. <laughs> Exactly. So, so the odds of that turning into one-on-one is relatively slim. Yes. All right. We got one more trade. Uh, not quite as saucy, but it's George Pickens alert and watch. We've it's got on a brand. Spot. It's on brand. It's on brand. Right. Exactly. You don't know how on brand it is, Jordan. We've got <laughs> one quarterback and uh, stock rosters, about 24 rosters. We've got George Pickens for Tyler Algier, 210, became Tank Bigsby tracking down that pick, and then a 24 second. This is the most like dynasty think tank trade of all time, right? Like you trade d- wide receiver right. like on d- day two of the draft that you don't really love at this point for basically two injury away running backs and a future second. Like this is like like this isn't pretty. Like well, the beauty of this sexy, is how low it seems like a low sell, right? The the why I picked it is it seems like such a low sell, right? But right. why it makes a lot of strategic sense. Absolutely. I mean, you're getting you're getting a premium injury away guy in Algier. Yep. You're getting what I think is going to be a pretty good injury away guy in Tank Bigsby. You're getting a future second um, to just stay flexible. Frankly, that second could be Tyler Lockett right now, probably. Yeah, for sure. Right? <laughs> which, which is funny because he's going to outproduce out of the second yeah. than yeah. than you would pick all the other stuff, right? Yeah. The only caution that I would do on this, like I I agree with his roster spots. Yeah. Well, roster spots a 24 man. Like you're going to roster out of running backs. It's okay. But I think, have you shot higher, right? Have you, you do this deal when you've basically exhausted all of your options to go up at the position, right? So was it, was it, you know, Pickens plus four, uh, you know, was he in an Amon Ross St. Brown offer? Was he in a Waddle offer? Was he in an uh, Alave, Drake London, right? Garrett Wilson, like all of those guys sort of up and above. Did you go in that direction? with those, you know, with your efforts before you did this, right? I always, I always think, you know, back to the conversation we had earlier, right? constantly shooting up. We had this conversation actually in the deeper dive, which is constantly trying to go up to elite players um, and not, and not uh, uh, be so worried about depth. You can go check that out on the Patreon side um, for that podcast. But um, I do think like, this is a good example of, right? You should be shooting up to elite assets before you go and fill out depth. Again, I would take this, uh, I would take the the Algier side of this deal, but I would just, before you do that, right, make sure you're going in the other direction first. Yeah. Uh, and actually this is a trade I made. So uh, Pickens is, uh, 
was way down the dial and to rebalance, you know, especially on if, if it's a team you haven't had for too long. Um, it was an orphan that I took over. I knew Pickens was sellable, but yeah, trying all those avenues and the typical one this off season was Pickens and a later first, and then get yourself somewhere at wide receiver. You mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. Is that Metcalf? Is that Olave? Is that, you know, insert 10 wide receivers, you know, of interest where you give one 109 through 111 or 112 or something, and you give that plus Pickens and you say, where can I go? And with those being exhausted, I was like, well, I want to rebalance to running back. Algier to me, I mean, again, we didn't like him a ton as a starter. We said there's a lot of risk there, day three, you know, how, how the mantra goes. But now as a fallen through the floor injury away guy on an offense, you still like for running back upside. And if Bijan Robinson were to miss time, we're back where we were last year, you know, feeling pretty good and excited about uh, Tyler Algier. Tank Bigsby, I'm I'm probably one of the most bullish on the planet on him because I seem to get him everywhere. So I must be higher than everybody else picking wide receivers in that range. And you bank the second. Um, so yeah, it's going the opposite way. You know, typically 24-man roster, you want to go upwards and go two for one, three for one. But I figure this way, you know, I'm I'm still getting more upside for those running back potential spot starts than George Pickens probably ever will sitting as my wide receiver four, five, six, seven, or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. And obviously plan A is going Pickens plus and really securing your top two or three wide receivers, someone meaningful. But if that doesn't work, you know, I think this is a good example of a way you can still make it work for your team. You rebalance to running back a little bit. You stay flexible that future second. There's just a lot of positives that the only way you lose this. And I don't even think if Pickens develops and he has a wide receiver 35 season, like I still don't say that that, that means you lost this deal. I mean, because because Algier is in a position, he might be two or three years like Madison in that injury away role. Like, I think he's good enough with what he showed last year to sit there right behind B.J. Robinson and say, I'm ready, coach. Whenever you need me, I'm ready. And then Tank Bigsby is probably going to be in a similar situation, multi-year injury away with pedigree that can blow the doors off if he ever is needed. And you get that second becomes who know what. So this would be a plan C, you know, use Pickens to go upward with whatever you want. And if all those things don't work, and I think a heavy majority of the time it will work, but if it doesn't, this is just a, an alternative for you to pivot off because if Pickens has a wide receiver 65 season, this is not on the table for you in season or in January. All right, uh, we got one more section here and that's from Life and Dynasty Lessons Learned. And something that I wanted to discuss just in a brief fashion is there's an obsession with Debbie. If you've ever played in a Debbie league, you don't have to love college players. But people get obsessed and consumed with drafting a guy that's 18 years old that will eventually be some superstar. And what happens a lot, though, that doesn't happen. 18-year-olds are dum-dums. 20-year-olds are dum-dums. 22-year-olds are dum-dums. And for them to get through college all the way to the NFL with strong pedigree that you care about, you draft some Debbie quarterback, it's pretty laughable because even if you get a Will Levis outcome, you can't feel too great about that. Like Even if he had went at 25 overall, that's a huge downturn. And everyone gets obsessed with being right, the allure of the what if. And I've started drafting Debbie, but I've started trading them away. You trade them away in those three for one, four for one, you got a team rebuilding, all they want is Debbie and picks and all that. And you're like, you know what? You can have it. You can have it. Give me an auto start player. And I'm going to hold on to the best Debbie and you better give me a good deal because they've already done something. But I find that there's a lot of parallels to life. You know, people chasing what their neighbors have, people never thinking what they have is enough and always looking at the allure of, well, in five years from now, you know, I'm going to get in better shape in 10 years from now, you know, I'm going to pay off my credit card bills. You know, you, you have all these things and it always stays out there. 
And we've seen it before in, in, in Debbie leagues where you take someone that by the time they get to the NFL, what do they do? They parlay that player that now could actually help them into more Debbie picks, more 18 year olds. And they just keep this constantly rebuilding, never really going for production. And it's really nice. Your roster looks all pretty and stuff, but it doesn't score. It doesn't score. You get top Debbie picks every year and you've done nothing with it because the players don't end up for you. And eventually you got to trade those picks or players uh, to, to help your lineup or they have to become your lineup. And it just, I think there's a lot of parallels to never being happy with where you are, never putting your goals of actually what the end game in life is, not telling you it has to be, you know, being rich and living on an island and, you know, never, never working a day in your life or like those things don't have to be on your list, but whatever it is, like be actually going towards it. We always talk about getting to week one, get to week one. That's important. You're contending right now for 2023. Don't commit to 2024 plus until you're eliminated. We talk about that every year with teams that are like seven and seven and you end up getting in. So I think there's a lot of parallels to Debbie. I think for as much as I love scouting college, you got to keep your focus on the NFL side. And how does this function as a tool to get me what I want what is winning championships and scoring points? Absolutely. I think also if you're not into Debbie, this is true in Dynasty as well, right? Like where people are constantly kicking out picks going into the future. And, you know, what you said really hits home to me, which is, you know, being in it every year because, you know, you go back to last year uh, and, you know, there was some fun Twitter stuff this week uh, where someone was complaining about how bad basically Mike Evans was last year. And I was like, you want to know what? I don't think many, uh, I don't think, yeah, in terms of uh, teams that actually roster Mike Evans, uh, they made a lot of money last year because of what he did for them in the playoffs. Um, and, and the effect size of him being, you know, the difference between wide receiver 15 and 30 during the uh, course of the regular one week, season, right? is, it doesn't it doesn't really much matter um, on a on a week to week basis. Uh, that number is really small. Um, but I actually heard recently uh, the Phoenix Suns new uh, owner, governor, I guess is what they're called, uh, Matt Ishbia was talking about, you know, he's taking over the team and kind of what his mindset is. And he says, I'm trying to win every year, right? I'm trying to win every year. I'm going to make trades. I'm going to make, we're going to do uh, deals. We're going to, we're going to bring in players, right? We're going to, but our goal is to field a team that we think can win every year. That is um, not something I think a lot of dynasty GMs are doing. And, you know, as we sit here right now, you know, uh, trying to retool rosters, like, this is a great time of year to retool rosters specifically focused on, you know, how do I get better? Again, not necessarily worried about lineup needs right now, but how do I get better? How do I improve, you know, my, my higher end assets, right? How do I sort of position myself in the best way to contend as opposed to, well, I want to kick it out two years and see if I can rebuild and get some depth and all that stuff, right? Again, three or four players in the top 30, Constantly sort of shooting that way, but you mentioned it and doing it in Devi. I think it's also true in Dynasty. Uh, you know, I saw someone joking, or not joking, um, we were joking, but they were saying, you know, I, oh, I don't value Kelsey or Andrews as a top 30 asset. I was like, well, <laughs> we're, we're, we still have the edge because we do, right? And especially in a premium format, like those guys are going to, they're going to run up the score big time for you. And, it just having having those types of players as anchor players, huge, huge deal. So I definitely think, you know, I'm with you on this in terms of, you know, people want to worry about the future too, too much. Live in the present. and You can really capitalize on it. Yeah. And I think, again, it's blending together already, Jordan. We're already doing, you know, Dynasty Think Tank shows all over the place. And yeah. talking about Kelsey of just what is one big season? You know, if he repeats one more big year, 
that is worth so much in the land of tight end. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just keep that in mind of, you know, teams are moving away. They're trying to pivot. They're, they're trading to Kyle Pitts. And it's like, if Kyle Pitts has a bunch of mid tight end one seasons, it takes a long time of the age factor and you're spreading it out so thin. Like I always look at, you know, VBD, like they have that over there at, at uh, uh, pro football reference. And it's a very easy tool. You know, they don't have a ton of fantasy stuff, but they have some and, and the VBD aspect of, you know, you see wide receivers and it's like, they might have a, you know, a guy that you think had a good year. It's like eh, 20, 25, 30, 40, whatever it is. But then you look at like the big running back year and it's like, they have a hundred, you know, it's you're just yeah. like, wow. And you're like, so you, you need half, half of a, a prime window there for wide receiver to offset just the one year you had from that big running back, you know, Jonathan Taylor, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, how much equity that gave you in that one year, uh, just in options after the year, but just in that the, the year of the lineup. And so I, I think, you know, Kelsey is one that it's Winton, it's Antonio Gates, it's these guys in their, in their thirties where it's like, you're, you're bagging on elite and be very, very careful because he's going to keep, keep rope doping you and making you look silly when again, Kyle Pitts may turn out to be great, but the number of trades I see where they're just happily like pivoting you know, the, the team that, that has Kelsey is moving to, you know, or Andrews is moving to, to pits with the assumption that he will be great. You're, you're, you're trading away two greats already. So hopefully you get it dead set right between the eyes. Correct. Because there's a lot of downside. If you miss at all, if you just, you're just that little bit off all of a sudden you miss by the entire amount. All right. Thank you for listening this week. Dynasty. Thank, thank you. can follow us at Chad Parsons NFL. McNamara at Dynasty. He is over at Analytics of Dynasty. I am at UTH Dynasty. You can find our uh, other content as well. Check out the Patreon exclusive bonus content. We record that on a weekly basis. We get the deeper dive. You're going to get a concise topic, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And again, this goes beyond the scope of this weekly free show. It's supposed to lead you to the premium content that is going to supercharge your results in Dynasty. You can get that at patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank. And as well as supporting the show and showing your love, which you are already doing. We're off to a great start. Thank you so much. So hey, also always, don't forget you did a, you did an office hours podcast last week. I'm going to yep. do one this week as well. Going to just keep yep. getting you more and more content over there at Patreon. So that's, you know, that's going to get you a real advantage over there as well. Constant, you know, the, the amount of content that you can get over there. Absolutely. We are, we are just growing with this and you're going to be in on the ground floor. And again, supporting what we do saying, we appreciate you. We appreciate all the hundreds of shows you've done together and producing this content free or otherwise here on the dynasty think tank channels. So unlock your ceiling and as always seek elite results. 